Welcome to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. This week, we continue our series on vulnerability in worship with our host and lead pastor at Wyzetta Free Church, Kevin Meyer, and Mark Allen Schoolmeasters, songwriter and central music pastor at Eagle Brook Church. Let's do it. I'm so excited to have Mark Allen Schoolmeasters on our conversations. And uh, Mark, just uh, just a quick little kind of brag about you. You're a husband, father, songwriter, worship leader, producer, pastor, and I could name other things, um, but that would get me in trouble. So um, originally, <laughs> uh, you grew up in the Western suburbs, graduate of Wayzata High School, so kind of out our way where I pastor at Wayzata Free Church. Uh, live now in Minneapolis with yeah, your we're wife, in, Jill. We're in Brooklyn Park, yeah. Brooklyn Park, yeah. So your wife, Jill, and two children, Grayson and Annabelle. Yeah. Um, any thoughts about being a dad at this point in your life? Oh, man, it is. Kevin, it is. Well, it's first of all, it's really fun to be here with you. Being a dad of a nine-year-old and an 11-year-old is really fun because they're now becoming, you know, they're becoming their own person. And yeah. they're also like we have real conversations. They're real, yeah. they're real little people. And so, you know, we're talking about values and processing through things. It's no longer just because mom and dad said so. It's now like, oh, let's let's talk about how we come to the right conclusion together. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been really a joy for Jill and I to parents. Yeah. So oh. never, you know, short of com- complicated and challenging moments, but it is an absolute blast. Well, it, it is. And I remember when my kids were little and now with my grandkids, it, they're a window into reality. They're a window into mm-hmm often what the heart of God might be to us as children, that kind of thing. I just love that. You know, I just want to mention a few other things. You've written and co-written countless songs for the church, for the, even the greater Christian community, I think nationally and internationally, and co-written with some of the top worship leaders and writers in our country. And I'm just going to name a few, Jesus Culture, Revere, Chris Tomlin, Kim Walker-Smith, and Mandy Mullins, Elisa Turner, and a bunch of others. We're at Emmanuel um, Church for quite a while, and then now at Eagle Brook, serving as their, you call it central, central music, music pastor? Yep, I'm a central music pastor at Eagle Brook. And, and that's probably a rare title because that's only going to happen in a, in a probably a really large church. Otherwise, people just have worship leaders or yeah. that kind of thing. I know more than probably the acclaim that you receive around the name, you know, being aligned with great artists or with hit songs that have God's allowed you to write. I know you because I knew you when you were back at Woodridge and we served there together at that church. And I just know your deep desire is more than all that acclaim is to give that acclaim and to um, advance in a humble way, the kingdom of God. So I'm so glad you're part of this. I'm so glad we can talk about some of this stuff. So before we get going, I want to ask you a little bit of background. I I was told by my, um, one of the pastors on our staff at Wise Out of Free that you actually had your high school band when you were at Wyzetta High School played at Wyzetta Free in their gym or something like that. Is that correct? We did. Yeah, we used to do, uh, we, I was in a band when I was in high school. I, I was the drummer. I never wanted to be the guy in the front. I always uh. just liked being in the background. And we used to do Wednesday night youth events in the gym uh, at Wyzetta Free. And it was, I think it was at a, I can't remember where the location was, but I can picture it was over near Wyzetta Community Church over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so yeah, I, I, we, a number of times we would do rallies on Wednesday night with students. Yeah. Why is that a free years ago? So well, that's pretty cool. So, so tell us a little bit about um, how you got started. Was like worship leading something you wanted to do when you were five? You know, uh, I sang, I started singing like solos in church when I was four or five, but I was always the shy kid. Um, it wasn't actually until Woodridge 
that mm-hmm. it was the space that someone, you know, a uh, pastor at the church, Paul, at that time, looked at mm-hmm. me and he said, I think, would you lead worship for our students? And I was like, yeah, I kind of do that. I did that at my church growing up a little bit, but I'm not really a worship leader. And it was, the, that was the place that I, I was a senior in high school and I was asked to start leading for students. And I, that was a, I wasn't, wouldn't say I was reluctant to do it, but I had zero interest in being the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people like the spotlight. Some people walk in the room and they're like, here I am. And other yeah. people walk in the room and they're like, there you are. And I feel like that's a little bit more how I'm wired. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, it was something that I started doing out of knowing that I was supposed to do it, uh, but out of obedience more than sure. a drive or a desire. But I think within that, I've grown to recognize that that's kind of where my strength in it lies in that it's not in me. It's not in what I'm able to produce or muster up, but um, I'm able to just come alongside and go, I'm here to actually serve. I'm not here to, to control or direct or dictate anything. I'm actually just here to serve these people and help lead them into hopefully a step forward in their journey. So you, you, you probably received, I would imagine in that experience, kind of God's call on your life because it wasn't too long after that. Then you went to Emmanuel where you were their um, lead yeah. in, in yeah. all things music and worship. Tell us, what did you learn on that leg of your journey? Oh, you know, so I, I was at Woodridge for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that in that season, I learned a lot of, those were a lot of formative years for me because I learned how to actually lead people, how to lead a team on staff, how to lead up. Uh, and then I moved to Emmanuel Christian Center. I was there for nine years. Um, and that was like learning how to lead, not just worship, but how to actually lead process and teams. And, you know, you're doing a, a, an Easter thing that's going to cross different areas of the church. So you're working with other people and learning how to actually, how do you help other people win? I, I learned in the early season, like how to lead when I'm the guy who does it. Yeah. And in the last part of that season, the last 10 years have been learning, how do I lead through other people? Sure. How do I become a leader of leaders and how do I actually set people up to become who they're designed to be rather than it just being, I can do it. I do it the best way, but how is it as a leader that I'm equipping and empowering and releasing other people into their area of strength? So on this leg, where are you at? Just right now I'm that's, I'm still learning that. I would okay. I'll say I'm not an expert. Um, I think once you think you've arrived, you kind of have hit your ceiling. So I'm sure. always in that listening and learning and growing phase. But right now I'm in a season of um, with Eagle Brook, with our team, I'm leading worship and speaking into process and um, encouraging the team around me. Um, in my role, I get to bounce around to a number of the campuses and work with our different teams. Uh, but also um, through that, God has brought me through this journey of back, you know, you talked about the high school years to just rewind the tapes. Um, and then when I was in my 20s, God put in my heart this dream like, hey, you need to write and record songs. And so I started doing that. And there was a period in there where I was really, I call them kind of fallen into this trap of striving. Mm-hmm. And I remember when God said, you need to quit striving and be faithful to what I put in front of you. And so that's kind of where I've lived. Now it's come full circle in the last five, six, seven, eight years where all the things that I had laid down 10, 12 years ago, it's like God has resurrected them and he's rebuilt them. And sure. there's opportunities that I'm stepping into. You talked about songwriting. Um, I spent a good bit of time working with artists and churches and worship leaders. And that's not something that I kind of set out to do. Sure. Uh, the writing has been like my, my David in the field processing yep, yep, with yep. God. 
And there's just now this point where God has kind of brought that into, it's okay. Now it's not just for you to have that for you and your relationship with Jesus, but it's about other people. So for right now, I'm in this season of doing everything I can. I'm, you know, I'm 38. So I feel like I'm now I'm moving out of just what am I going to do? But now like, how am I going to start to prepare and invest in the people that are going to sure. come behind you, me. you move to a place where you start building leaders in, yep. in a way rather than just building a ministry. Can I share a little anecdote? I, would um, love to I remember when you remember I was executive director of a uh, Florida uh, Trinity South Florida school, but also of the um, radio station down there, WMCU, yeah. which was a, had a broad signal all the way from Miami, even to the Bahamas up through Fort Lauderdale um, north of that. And I remember when I was doing that, it's kind of like KTAS, we were doing music competitions and I used, remember early on, I took one oh, of your songs yeah, down there. You did, yes. I, sorry to say you didn't win. You were yeah. so close to winning, but I think the difference was you didn't have enough um, either disco, or some kind of beat to it. I mean, we're yeah. talking about Miami and and I remember, I remember going, ah, oh, if you just had a little, you know, that kind of thing. That, yeah, for cool. sure. We do. We learn a lot as we grow. And I think, I think part of we spend so much time, at least for me, I, as I look back, I've spent so much time in some of those seasons thinking, oh, what, why I was just this close to getting that break. But I'm so grateful that I yeah. didn't because I learned more through the challenging years and seasons than I'd have learned from the easy ones. And yeah. that's what's caused me to force my roots to grow deeper, which has made this next, this season. I mean, I would say 15 years ago, if if things would have been happening like they are right now, I don't know that I would have had the character to be able to manage it and handle it in an appropriate way. And now it's like, hey, it's just a part of normal conversation. Hey, hon, to Jill, this is uh, this is happening today. Oh, by the way, are you picking up Annabelle from dance or am I? Like, it's just, it's yeah. not like it consumes our whole world now. It's like, this is just the season we're in and we just walk in it and we, you know, we didn't fight to get here. So we don't have to fight to stay. We just stay faithful where God, God has us planted and just enjoy the season because it's a gift. Well, you know, you mentioned about striving. One thing I know about striving, it's a lot of striving is me trying to make something happen. And sometimes yeah. I just sanctify that as this goal I know would bring glory to you, God, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. you know, this is all for you, you know, yeah. so, so bless me um, versus the, the kind of sense that what I see in what you have just said is about what we're going to talk about is vulnerability, um, mm-hmm. kind of letting go and saying, God, mm-hmm. as you bring these things to me, I'll step into it. It's not like you're not um, still giving your best and do what you need to do, but it's more about God, you lead me. And in your line of call if you want to put it that way i don't want to say work but line of in your calling yeah uh, letting god lead you so you can lead others is critical so vulnerability is so important so let's talk about vulnerability let's this let's let's get into this um what does it mean for you to be vulnerable in worship um what what comes to your mind when you think of that well that's a great question you know for me vulnerability it's about being honest and inviting god into your reality um you know, there's this, uh, just thinking as you just asked that question, there's there's this phrase in the New Testament um, in the original language, and it's one of my favorite. It's quo votus domini, which is, Lord, where are you going? Mm-hmm. And it's a question that was asked Jesus. And so often we, like you just said, you know, in terms of how we approach things, God, would you bless my endeavors? It's a different thing for us to say, okay, God, what is it that you're up to? And, you know, when it comes to vulnerability, I think there's this misconception in our minds as people that we have to present a certain way for other mm-hmm. people or for God. You know, as I was growing up, it was called put on your Sunday best. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, who are we doing that for? Is it 
for the sake of what other people think of us, or is it for God so that he might think that we're better than we actually are? But I think, you know, when you ask the question, what does vulnerability mean to me? It's the opposite of polishing the outside of the cup. You know, that's what we do. We try to polish the outside of the cup, but we forget that the process in the process that God really just wants, he wants the real us. Like Jesus didn't save us so that we could put up a front. He saved us to redeem the deepest parts of us, even the not so flattering parts. So vulnerability is, it's exposing enough of yourself that you could actually experience rejection. Yeah. You know, like I'm going to show you, I'm going to let down my guard enough that this could really feel like I'm in the position of, I could really get hurt in this. But when we're willing to have that level of openness and honesty and vulnerability in our worship, that's when we discover that the way that God works is that he actually doesn't just want to pull us from our vulnerability. He wants to join us in it. He doesn't want to just pull us from our suffering. He wants to join us in it. And that to me is like, it's so counterintuitive to the way that our world is wired. You know, like everything today is about a polished Instagram or social media quote or picture that you've poured over so that every word and every filter is perfect. And I think God is after the exact opposite of that. He's like, I I want you to be honest with me. Like, I think even about how in the Old Testament, like one of the best examples of vulnerability in worship, I think, is the Psalms. Mm -hmm. And they begin with, here's the dark reality that I face. And at the same time, it somehow moves to this place of, but I'll remember who God is. And so for us, when we can acknowledge that there is darkness and there is despair, that doesn't, uh, that does not offend or put God back on his heels. He's not like in, okay, now what are we going to do about that? He's, he like runs to that. He embraces that. And he loves that we would be willing enough to bring our, our fears and our doubts to him. And when we do, I think we see the pattern that happens in the Psalms unfold is that we then are able to move to this place of, okay, yet this is who you are, God, I'll remember this. And then our, then our, our roots grow deeper and we're anchored, mm-hmm. not just on a surface level, but deep down. So you said something, a couple of different things that I, I think would be good to flesh out a little. And I think you're right. The Psalms show us vulnerability because they show you the whole range of emotions. Emotions, you mm-hmm. kind of go, oh, you really, you think God likes that? Well, God right. knows, you know, sometimes David's like a little kid and you have a little, you know, when your kids are small, you didn't get um, angry with them when they were angry. You just try to say, okay, let's understand what is the frustration. Let's understand it. Now. Yeah. You can't hit someone and, you know, hurt someone, but <laughs> let's, let's, let's understand that this anger is energy with regard to something that's happening that is frustrating you or whatever. So my, my, what I want to get to is that's Psalms and that's a great picture for us, but you said this, and I think this is good. God joins us in our vulnerability, which is an interesting concept, which is exactly what the incarnation is. Jesus mm-hmm. comes in flesh, and yeah. what does he become? A little baby. Yeah. God totally. is this little vulnerable baby who has opened himself up, let go in that sense of control, not yeah. into the hands of others as much as he knows he's in the hands of his father who loves him. It's really good. So, so I, I see that in the sense of when you say God joins, I do think when we sing and we kind of go, okay, or, or when we worship with our lives, even in our work, yep. whatever we're doing, and we're saying, God, 
I, I'm not going to strive to make something happen for the outcome that I think is best, even though it's not bad to have those kind of desires, but you hold them so loosely that you say, God, I'm going to be present for when you join me um, in my vulnerable state of just being open before you. And in worship, what does that look like? I mean, what do you, I think of for you, I think for one of the things, again, like I had said, one of the things that I always noted about you, it, it felt you were, transparent and vulnerable. And in and mm-hmm. and you saying what you said earlier, explain some things for me. You didn't come in wanting to be the show, mm-hmm. right? But I got to imagine it's difficult to stay in a vulnerable place when you lead worship because yeah. there's a performance side of it. You don't want to say that, but there's something about you want to, you, you don't want to do crummy music. Then right. people can't join in. So share a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, that's a really good, a really good uh, insight there, Kevin. I think there's the tension of, I mean, it's, I would, I would say it's a 51, 49% focus. Like the heart is is more important, but there is an importance on how you present and what you, when you approach excellence is maybe the word I would use to describe what you're talking about. Excellence is not about perfectionism. Excellence is about removing distractions and barriers and obstacles that could get in the way for people. So if you're leading and you can't play your instrument and you're fumbling, that's now a distraction for the people that you're trying to lead. So for me, um, you know, how do you balance that? It's an ongoing thing, but you know, I think for one, on one side of it, there's that there's the excellence, there's the, the balancing that, but there's also remembering that what we do isn't the point leading worship is not the destination. It's just the vehicle to help us get to the destination. Mm-hmm. The destination is an encounter with Jesus. It's it's a moment of people realizing and recognizing, okay, this is who God is. And let me tell to my soul, let me tell to the Lord, let me tell to the world that this is who God is and what God has done and what God will do. I was just going to say, when you say encountering Jesus, um, so when you put that in there, part of what you're trying to do is this is the vehicle to help them encounter Jesus. That can be a potential trap, I would imagine. I, and I just say that in the sense yeah. of you want to do that. You want to make that happen. But you also, I think as a worship leader, let's use David as an example um, yeah. in the Old Testament, are probably best at leading people into worship when you yourself are encountering them. Now, does that happen when you lead worship? Absolutely. Yep. And you know, there. You know, I, I, this is something I've heard people say before, and I agree with it. <laughs> Um, you know, you can't lead anybody where you haven't gone yourself. I've heard that said before. But if the only time that I'm going to actually be in dialogue, in worship of Jesus, is when I'm leading people on Sunday morning, then I am I'm failing as a leader and as a follower. Mm-hmm. Because to be a good leader, you have to be a follower first. And to be a good leader means that people have to be following you and you have to be followable. But if we're if, if I'm only leading people out of my ability that I can muster up, then I'm leading them not to Jesus, but I'm leading them to me. And so as a worship leader, there has to be, a, a, there has to be something in me that is growing but when, no one's, when no one's looking, when the lights are off, the stage is gone. It has to be an overflow. You talked about David. And the reason that David was successful in public was because he was successful in private. Mm-hmm. What he did in public was just now doing what he did in private, but with other people in front of him. And if you think as a worship leader, oh, when it really matters and it really counts, that's when I'll step in and I'll do it. Then 
you're then you're operating not on what God has given you and what the opportunity is that you have to be a leader, but you're really just kind of trying to wing it. And there's a there's a real danger in that, um, you know. But at the same time, I think how do you prepare for that? It's it's not just about musical preparation; it's about spiritual preparation too, because mm-hmm. as a leader, the question is where are the people at. And where is it that God is taking you on a, spe- on, a, on a specific Sunday or a time that you're leading people, but also across the, across the period of time, if you're to look back and go, where have we been? What has God brought us through? Where are we today? And what is it that God is leading us to? And that's why I think being connected to a local body, a church community is so important as a worship leader, because being able to sing about going through struggles and you know that you're singing for so-and-so in the back who's dealing with cancer right now. Sure. There's something that happens when we do that in community together, but when we are not just singing songs together, but we're sharing stories and sharing, sharing life. Okay. I got a, I got a couple questions. I don't want to lose them because I think this is I think could be critical for people to understand. And that is you made a great statement. You're not going to be able to lead people if you haven't yourself gone there or you're not willing to go there when you're leading. And yet God can still use the worship, even though you might not be in the right place. That's I find that all the time. I get done yep. with the message. And I go, wow, that was one of the worst. Someone comes up and says to me, boy, that spoke to my heart. Um, my question though is this, two things. One is, have you been in those situations where you are leading, really leaning in the worship in the presence of God and no one else around, you know, no one else is one. Okay. And then the second question is if you were to go to like my church or other churches and you were to say to the people, here's what you can do to be vulnerable, to Mm -hmm. really enter into your Mm -hmm. worship leaders expression of worship, those two questions. So, yeah. Well, as far as uh, I'll speak to the second one first, um, helping other people, you know, we, we think sometimes the way that we gauge vulnerability sometimes is by what we see in physical external expression, Mm -hmm. you know, how visibly moved are people. Now we also, Kevin, we live in Minnesota, which is the, the, the land of stoic and, you know, you can go through and have someone, you you look at someone and you go, the lights are on and nobody's home. And then they come up afterwards and say, that was the most deeply moving thing I've ever experienced in my life. Um, But for me, what I've, what I've been in the process of learning is that our responsibility and our opportunity is to invite people by teaching and reminding, not by programming a response. So when we program people to an external response and all we do is invite people to do something, hey, let's all lift our hands or hey, let's all, let's all just do this physical thing. We're programming a response in people. But worshipers are born, they're not born overnight, they're developed over time. And mm-hmm. so as worship leaders, we have the opportunity to not teach a sermon, but in a sentence, unpack why we do what we do and invite people into it. So it's starting with, revelation who is jesus what is the opportunity for us to engage with him today what's Mm -hmm. holy spirit up to what's our opportunity to engage in that way today and then allowing the response to be natural so your question of how do you help people be vulnerable i think it begins with saying when you lead out of vulnerability yourself it sometimes you don't have to have everything always perfectly like the most meaningful and engaging things that I've found to connect with people is to talk like a real person, yeah, yeah. not to talk like you're the super Christian up front where you got it all worked out, but I lead out of my vulnerability and 
hey, you know, today we're going to sing. Some people might be lifting their hands. That's just a sign of surrender. Do you remember when your kid was little yeah. and they wanted to be closer to their parent or they wanted to be held? What do they do? They reach yeah. up or they reach out. Today, and maybe the opportunity is to reach up or reach out to God. What connects with me on that is when I when I preach or I think about preaching, I want to preach God's word. I want to teach that. And yet at the same time, I want to do it in the context of my story, in the mm. context of I'm a broken person. Yeah. I need this as much as you do. Yeah. This is what I'm struggling with. You know, and you have to always, you know, what can you be fully authentic about in, in a leadership role and stuff like that. But the, the reality is you can be really authentic that my struggle is your struggle and to be mm -hmm. able to connect around that thing. Let me ask you this. If you were to sit before a group of people and you wanted them to enter into worship, what, and you're kind of going, boy, if I could prime this group to really be worshipers, what would you tell them? What, what would be helpful to them practically? And I'll just give you one example when I was thinking about it. Yeah. It used to be when I was a kid, I remember my parents when we would go to church, you know, you took a bath the night before and there was yeah. almost this preparation that I'm coming to God and going into his presence, which is a little bit different than what we often have today in an entertainment yeah. kind of society that says, show me, you know, prove to me that you're really good. And then I'll enter, you know, in. but yeah. what would you tell some people to say, here are about three or four things that, boy, yeah. if you did this, your worship leader and your worship experience at your church would be so much better. Hmm, that's a great question. A few things that come to mind. One is I would encourage first to pause and slow down. We are so hurried and to just say, can we just take a minute and inhale and exhale? Mm -hmm. Can you put your phone on do not disturb? Can you take it out of your hand and put it in your bag or put it in your purse? Let's position ourselves in such a way that we are actually set up to be successful, that we're actually positioning our hearts and ourselves and our bodies in a way and in a posture that we're actually ready to hear from God. Okay, now let's take a minute and I want you to take and just be, I want you to think back. You might be in the most difficult of places right now, but I want you to just think back. What have you seen God do in your life? What can you be thankful for? Because when we remember what God has done, yeah. it gives us confidence and faith to believe that God is not done, that he's right. going to continue to be at work in our life and in our story. And even if you don't feel like you are at the place where you can say, this is who God is, and I, he's the king of my heart, and holy is my song. If your song feels like you've lost your song, there's someone sitting next to you that might be singing for you today, or you might be singing for somebody else. So, so I would encourage people, uh, one, change your posture, yeah. you know, put your, physically put yourself in a different posture. If that means you need to stand or that means you need to kneel, you need to get out of whatever your position that is comfortable. Let's do that. Then let's change our position. Let's rather than just speaking to the negative and the problem and, oh, woe is me, or this is my thing. And all of the things let's start to speak at the potential and let's, let's change our position to see from God's perspective, then I think the third thing is that is just to, to, to change our perspective that like, Hey, let's, let's remember that worship is a community thing. And it's not just a, you're on your own thing. There's something yeah. that happens when we do it together. So you put me in a room with those people and I would probably also begin with sharing some of my vulnerability where mm -hmm. I would say, where I'd tell you, Hey, you know, I grew up in the church and a few months ago, I got really sick and I, I ended up 
with COVID, I ended up in my room for 10 days in isolation. And that was horrible. But the best thing that came out of that was in those 10 days, and I'll tell you this, Kevin, I was reawakened to why I love Jesus because I had fallen in love over the last few years with worship music, realizing, oh no, it's not about the song. It's about, right. it's about meeting with Jesus. And so for me to begin and say, listen, even the best of us, even the worst of us, none of, none of us are too far away from falling into that trap. But if we're willing to put ourselves in that position and say, okay, you know what? I'm not an expert. I'm going to learn today. I want to grow today. Yeah. If we're willing to position and posture our hearts and our bodies in a way that we're ready, mm -hmm. now I feel like we can go wherever. And I think as a leader, we sometimes think, I mean, I would say the more I've led, the more I realize I don't know. And I used to think I can also, I can also say that the more I've led, the mm -hmm. more I realize that I can operate in what I've seen happen before. So I can steer things. Yeah. And so as a leader, we have the responsibility to not just drive it, but to be followers as we lead that we're sensitive to what is it that God is doing in this moment, because that's the X factor in the room. It's not just about leading the song from start to finish. It's not mm -hmm. just about leading the set, how you planned it on Tuesday in your office. It's about saying, okay, that's the preparation. Now let's bring it here to this place. And God, what is it that you're breathing into it? And that might be different in your nine o'clock service than it is in your 11 o'clock service, sure. because there's different people, there's different stories, there's different needs. And so there's different things that are going to resonate. And so part of our responsibility as a leader is to have that spiritual antenna up that says, God, what are, what are you up to? Right. Domini, as I said earlier. So if you look at this and we're talking about being vulnerable, one of the things I say about being vulnerable is you're kind of giving up control. You're putting yourself in a place where um, you could feel rejection or hurt or things like that. That's just a reality. And some have said, you know, with God, well, he's never, God isn't going to hurt you, yeah. but he never hurts you to, in order to harm you. It is always when you come in a vulnerable place, you let go of control and say, God, I'm here to offer myself to you so that you can offer yourself to me in whatever mm. way you want to shape and form me. Because the whole goal of this life is about what we become. Are we yeah. becoming more like Christ in our character? Right. And so I've heard it, you know, so in saying that vulnerability in worship can happen as we go to our work. It's, you can do the same thing. Like you said, can we take a pause? Can we be quiet? Can we breathe and say, okay, God, this is your day. I will be vulnerable. I will allow myself to be led by you and to experience you today in what I'm doing. One of the things that worship has done for people is it gives them that once, you know, often if it's a weekly thing, an opportunity to shift their focus. I, I've heard yeah. someone say, we desperately need to worship. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? That's a great, that's a great quote. Um, I think we do desperately need to worship. I think some people would say maybe that's an overrated thing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't know that it's overrated, but let me say this. I think we desperately need to worship, but probably not the way that we often think, I think mm -hmm. it's a misunderstood thing. The context is many times people equate worship with just singing a song. Right. So if we were to replace the definition of needing to worship, meaning we just need, we really desperately need to sing songs, then that probably doesn't feel like it rings true with every single person. Correct. But worship isn't a feeling. 
even though it involves our feelings. Worship isn't just a song, even though it can and does involve a song. Worship is really, I, I think the definition I would use is worship is placing worth or value on God for who he is and what he's done. It's so in that sense, it's, it's basically saying, I desperately need to worship means I desperately, one way I could say this is need to live with a focus on how big and great and loving God is and live in the identity yes. in my, uh, that I'm his child, that I'm his yeah. son, I'm his daughter, whatever it might be. Correct. Um, Absolutely. I, a friend of mine who's an author says, I need to worship because it, without it, I can forget that I have a big God beside me and live in fear. I need to worship because without it, I can forget his calling and begin to live in a spirit of self-preoccupation. Mm-hmm. I need to worship because without it, I lose a sense of wonder and gratitude and plod through life with blinders on. I need to worship because my natural tendency is towards self-reliance and stubborn independence. Yep. I, I desperately mean, need hitting, to worship. You're hitting on hitting on it, Kevin, because we lean on so many different things and we can lean on something temporary as a substitute for something that's designed to be permanent. Let me give you an example. So a few years ago, I had surgery and I ended up on crutches. Mm-hmm. And after six weeks of the crutches, the doctors told me, they're like, you need to start walking again. And I'm like, yeah, but it hurts to walk. And they said, yeah, but the crutches are not the permanent thing. They're meant to be the temporary substitute. Sure. You need to get back on your feet. And what you just articulated in that, that quote from your friend is we sometimes lean on other things in life where we're designed created by God to lean on him and depend on him. And worship is one of those things that realigns. It brings us back into rightful posture. You go to the chiropractor and you get adjusted and you go, Oh, I feel loose again. Well, because your body's back in alignment, it's, it's a chiropractic adjustment for our soul to say, okay, this is what it's about. And even in, um, I was reminded this morning, I was thinking about, um, Isaiah 29, where it says, he says, these people say that they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is merely just rules, rules taught by by man. Mm -hmm. And we can sometimes fall into the trap of just going through the motions. But what we're talking about today is engaging in the real living, breathing interaction and conversation with almighty God that, that in turn, actually, like you said, it changes us. It has an impact on us. So let me ask, let me just say this, and we'll kind of kind of wrap up with just, a, there's a, a, a quote that Martin Luther has that says, next to the word of God, music deserves the highest praise. The gift of language, which is this incredible gift that we have right now that we're communicating and we're saying things that people go, oh, I get it, because mm. they get those ideas. It, it's combined with the gift of song, and it was given to man so that he should proclaim the word of God through music. Mm. Martin Luther truly believed that because um, he knew when he was trying to shift the hearts of people into this relationship with Jesus Christ, that the way to do that, this is what people don't realize. That's one of the reasons he, he would have a choir come and they would sing bar tunes because they mm. knew that music. And he put the words of the gospel to it because yeah. he knew that for some way, in some way, music is so unique in embedding it into our, our um, deeper consciousness. And so he knew the way he was going to form hearts to the word of God was in his generation was to say, how do we combine it with music that begins to settle deep into the soul? And so there's a reason when you think about that, every culture and religion incorporates worship into an act of worship in the incorporate music into, into worship Um, because music stirs a portion of us in our hearts that our intellect alone can't touch. Right. The sermon's great, but 
one reason people are touched by that. And I, I thought about this somewhere at some point, um, uh, someone sang the first song. You think about that. Yeah. Someone, and here's my question to you, we'll kind of end on this um, idea. Uh, um, I wonder first what it was in response to. You know, what was it? Did he look at the sun or the stars? What was it that caused the very first song to be sung? And, and then I was just going to ask you, what do you think it was? What did they sing? What That's was the tune? <laughs> what was the oh, first I mean, song? I, have, I have no idea. I mean, I know what the first song that's recorded in scripture is. It's in Exodus and it's, it's the song of Moses where it says that right. Moses and the people sang this, but it was, it was this retelling of like, this is who God is. This is what he's done. And you know, like you said, Kevin, we, we can, there's 52, if there's 52 messages that are preached in a year and there's four points to each message, we may not remember all of those points and principles although they're good but they're reinforced because the worship songs that we sing right. teach us theology and they're they're memorable and they stick with us and when we're in that difficult dark season it's what comes back to mind and it calls us back to remember music is it's i think is the most universal of languages yep. Yep. you and i could speak different languages and hear a song that we don't understand the words but we can understand what they're saying because it moves us yeah. in a in a different way Language has that incredible power to impact people, you know? So the first song, man, um, it probably, it was probably Adam and Eve or early in the garden. Like, Maybe when he first saw Eve. Yeah. There we go. Oh, Lord, look at that beauty, you know? <laughs> so let me ask you, what, what, what do you, what was the first song you ever wrote and why did yeah. you write it and what inspired it? And we'll kind of end on that note. Yeah. I was uh, about 10 years old and my grandfather passed away mm. and um, I didn't know how to process what had, what I had experienced. I didn't know how to put and articulate in words that loss and that feeling. And so songwriting became for me the way that I process life with the Lord. Oh. Um, I was writing about what, I mean, it was very literal. I was a 10 year old kid. Um, you know, Lord, come and tell me why my grandpa had to die. Mm -hmm. uh, but I remember in there, I said, but I will trust in you, creator of this earth, though I don't understand your providential plan. I don't know what 10-year-old, why I use the word providential plan. I'm, I'm really I impressed, but I knew you were always a prodigy. So anyway. I, it was all of us about the words. <laughs> um, but you know what, what that did for me is it unlocked. That was, I would say that first song for me was like the, it was the introduction to vulnerability in worship. For sure. Me, because it was when I finally said, I don't care about it sounding polished. I don't care about it fitting a rhyme scheme or a number of syllables or whatever the formula is in the world today. This is what I need to say to you, God, and I need to invite you into this. And so that's what set me on the trajectory of writing songs and which turned into leading worship. Um, and it was really sparked out of that idea of I've gone through something really hard and yeah. I don't have the I don't have the ability in my own strength to process it. And I couldn't just sit down and explain what I was feeling. But when I put it to music, it was not just the words that I was describing. It was, I was able to put the emotion and the yeah. feeling that I had was able to come together and pair to create something that for me was able to help me move through that season and yeah. that, that difficulty and pain in my life. Mark, I, I love that. I mean, I think this is where our greatest acts of worship come. And that is when we come before God, offer 
vulnerably, humbly, yeah. what's in our heart. Um, yours is a song. Someone else's might be a prayer. Someone else might be a, a work or an act of service. I don't know. But I just love the fact that your vulnerability was worshiped to God. And then what happens so often is when those get put down on paper, that same vulnerability allows other people to enter into their own vulnerability and bring worship to God. So that's yeah. in a nutshell, kind of what I, I think is really cool about that. Um, in, in how that God has worked. I, 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 um, I remember when I was reading and we went through Exodus as a church in a study and I was in my own devotional time months before I ever was going to take the church to do that passage of scripture. I just wanted to go through it devotionally, not from a mm. exegetical trying to break it down understanding. And I remember reading a couple times where it said that Moses um, was to take the staff in his hand. He said, you're, you're going to take the staff. And then later it says, it's almost like he didn't forget to take the staff, which I go, why do you need to write that? And I remember just praying about it saying, God, um, that staff is your authority and power. Mm. And I said, what is my staff? And I, and I felt the sense of the Holy Spirit just said, Kevin, it's your vulnerability. Mm. And I think that's true for everybody. Yeah. I think God's authority and power comes through when we take the staff combined with our vulnerability yeah. so that that's what touches the hearts and lives of people. Yeah. And that's what creates community. Yeah. Um, for I've those seen who want it in, it. I'm seeing that in my kids. Yeah. They see through when you put up a front and they shut it down so fast. Yeah. And my kids have zero interest in being engaged in anything. And they watch all they watch is basically what is now YouTube, which is home videos of people, but it's vulnerable. It's not yeah. perfectly polished up versus a pre-drafted sitcom that everything is so perfectly aligned. There's something I think in the human psyche that longs for real. And yeah. I think it's I think it's a drawback to our creator. It's a drawback yeah. to God actually wants to engage with us in that, not just in the perfect formatted programmatic ways that we sometimes like to create a box to contain yeah. all of the things. He's saying, let's go outside of those boundaries and let me reach into the part of your life that actually matters to you because i think we sometimes think well that part is un is not appropriate for me to bring into my my christian faith or into my sunday my church family yeah. experience that's that's off limits and so we compartmentalize our lives and god is all about saying no i want all of it yeah i don't just want the sunday you i want the whole you yeah. i want you to bring it all and i'm going to meet you in it and he doesn't come to us like jesus who meets a woman at the well he doesn't come with condemnation he does call us to something different yeah. but he meets us with kindness and yeah. then he walks with us forward and that's a gift yeah. and i experience that kevin and as i've heard you preach through the years you know even the way that you communicate i've always sensed that that there's yeah. a vulnerability um that you're willing to lean into where it's not just about let me get this perfect so that yeah. i look good yeah. Let me be real so that because what does the word say? It says that our strength is made, his strength is made perfect, perfect in, our weakness, in yeah. our weakness. So our weakness is actually our greatest asset. You've been listening to the Wyzetta Free Conversations podcast. For more information about Wyzetta Free Church, please check out wyzettafree.org or download our app available on the App Store or on Google Play.